Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. And this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Once again, I say we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Yay! So, what's going on today? Today is December 25th, known by, you know, this day has been named by a number of different people for a number of different things. So I guess I should say Happy Saturnalia, Merry Christmas. Happy Quantica, well, Quantica, Happy Kwanzaa, <laughs> Merry Festivus, Happy Hanukkah, and more and more and more. Let me see here. Happy Winter Solstice, and Merry Festivus for the rest of us, right? So that is what is going on today. You got to love it. Funniest shit ever. But, um... <laughs> uh, it's, it's an interesting day, interesting weekend, and probably leading into an interesting week. So I have to brace myself. But yeah, 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 yeah. I don't celebrate holidays, y'all. So sometimes these holidays come and go, or they'll pop up, and everybody is like A B C D E, and I'm like, the hell are you talking about? So. You know, it's funny, someone had a meme up. Well, not a, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a meme. This picture, and it's talking about we must stop the war on Christmas. And it's a white guy holding that sign. And next to him is a black guy that says, all holidays matter. That's what it says on his, his little board there, the sign. And you can tell it's photoshopped. But it's the funniest shit ever because, <laughs> you know, I don't understand this war on Christmas thing. You know, Fox News made that shit up, and people fell for a hook, line, and sinker. And it's the funniest thing because, <laughs> you know, this past week I went to, you know, a store, and I was in a good mood. So this one lady said, ah, happy holidays. And then, you know, I returned that. And I saw this other woman who was like, happy holidays. And she was like, no, Merry Christmas. I'm going to say it, Merry Christmas. And I was like, okay, Merry Festivus to you. And she just looked at me crazy. And, you know, I just sat back and it's like, you know, You want to say Merry Christmas, just say Merry Christmas. You know, nobody has declared war on any of these holidays. And it's just absolutely amazing. And especially when I see black people buying into this shit. 
right? And I'm like, really, guys, really? Y'all, seriously? And so basically one of the writers at AAIHS wrote a piece about Christmas and black folk, and as soon as I find it again, I'll post it today, you know, and it's just it's really interesting. So anyway, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. If you cannot tell, I do not feel like doing this show today. But I wanted to go on ahead and get this particular show out of my queue because I think around September, October is when I put this up and I kept pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back because I just really didn't want to deal with it. But today's show, Branded White Diversity Panels Do Not Equal Social Justice Advocacy or Work, right? And the whole situation, the whole thing is quite interesting. But um, I'm going to go ahead and do it. So, you know, this is another Festivus miracle, you know, know, actually waking up this morning and my clock, I didn't sleep through it. So, yay, another Festivus miracle and a feat of strength. So, man, let me tell you. All right, so I'm not really into this topic right now. And the reason for that is because I'd much rather be asleep. But we're going to go ahead (laughs) and talk about it. So it says, please join us as we explore the beautiful and curious minds of those who believe that sitting on a diversity panel is social justice work. We ain't seen you at one meeting, nor have we seen you at a rally, march, or protest. protest. We. You ain't retweeted or shared a damn thing. We still waiting on that check. Have you run out of self-created issues in your own communities? Now, some of you are well-meaning, and I get it. I applaud your efforts and encourage you to continue to move forward. So I am not talking about you. I am talking specifically to the group of people who are treating social justice work as the latest fad, the latest fad and it costs. I am also talking to the group of people who are seeking to capitalize on social justice. Can't leave out the organizations that will profit from membership fees as they make sure to have a diversity panel at their conference. Sometimes they actually invite the blacks to sit on the panel. There is nothing that I enjoy more than watching an all-white diversity panel discussing the blacks and their anger, and then I put justified question mark, talking about what ails little Tink Tink is not paving a trail so that the roadblocks that impeded his or her parents are cleared. If you truly believe that all lives matter, then you should start petitions to have a constitutional amending, amendment declaring the blacks as 100% human. Additionally, you should be calling your local, state, and federal representatives to correct laws that have been on the books disenfranchised people of color. Also, the blacks are entitled to reparations, not only for slavery, but also for getting the shaft during Reconstruction 
and the New Deal, Jim Crow, and systemic and institutional institutional laws that perpetuate racism that are currently on the books. I mean, this is the very least that you can do since all lives matter, right? So let the hillbilly horror show begin. And so I'm sitting here, I'm reading this, not very well, but I am reading it and, you know, trying to remember what was on my mind when I put this together. And so it's it's interesting because, you know, you have some people out here and they will do and say anything to be relevant or to get validation, right? And so what's so interesting about what I'm saying here is that there are multitude, multitude or multiple, yeah, there are multiple communities and sub-communities out here that advocate for, you know, different causes. And what's so interesting is the mainstream movements and orgs are lily white. And, it, you know, <laughs> and, and then, you know, they have members and people of the community that are like, well, where are the black people? Where are the Latinos? Where are the brown people, yellow people, red people? And so, you know, I've talked to different people over the years. And, you know, they were, they, many of them talk about how it's difficult for them to get people of color to join ranks with them. And even when they have some people of color join ranks, it's, it's not long-lasting. And so, you know, they were trying to figure out and solve, you know, this lack of diversity problem that they had. And so, you know, it's a bunch of things that I want to talk about, but I'm just kind of setting the pace because I'm going to talk about some things and I may or may not tie it to this. Hmm. So anyway, yeah, maybe I'll do this first and then do my fun stuff a little bit later. But what's interesting is you have a lot of self-promoting opportunists of every color in all of these different, you know, movements and out here. And so a minute ago I was talking about how, you know, some of the whiter movements, you know, they have a problem recruiting and maintaining memberships of people of color. And so it's really interesting because I've seen this before, whereas they'll have a diversity panel and it's a bunch of white men talking about, you know, black issues Latino issues, even women issues. You know, sometimes it'll be a bunch of white men and they'll add a white woman. And <laughs> what's so interesting is 
in many cases, there are times when they just totally drown that white woman out. Even if they're talking about feminist issues, they're like, you don't know what you're talking about. This is what it really is. And so, you know, it, you know, it pisses me off, but it amuses me at the same time. And, and what I mean when I say it amuses me is many of these so-called movements or organizations or what have you, you have, you know, these different groups, feminists, the blacks, the Latinos, you know, the Asians, indigenous, you know, I think I said the feminists. And, you know, what's so interesting about it is, you know, these are people that are trying to be a part of that particular movement or organization. And basically, you know, you have different types of people and different types of approaches. And, you know, I've seen this. You know, I I click a check box next to a number of different categories. And basically, you have one set of people who feel as though, you know, they're going to jump on their Zamboni and, and, and force their way into that movement, not only into the movement, but the forefront of the movement, right? And then they get angry because, you know, the cisgendered, heterosexual, wealthy, educated white men who are used to being, you know, the figurehead and being the center of everything, they're telling these people no. It's not that you can't join our movement or our organization, but there is this thing called meritocracy, which is bullshit, but that's an excuse that you will see across the board, you know, in a number of these movements. And, you know, what we do on this show is we go back and we'll talk about the history of many of these movements and how that history was revisioned or whitewashed, you know, and and how certain groups were literally factored out in, you know, in, in, in some of these narratives and tropes that are out here, right? You know, one of the absolute best examples of this is the gay movement. Now, when you say the gay movement, LGBTQ movement, you know, all of that, you know, generally, you know, it's been developed in such a way that many people associate the LGBTQ movement with white men. And that was done on purpose because they wanted to make it more palatable, if you will, to mainstream America. You know, but we've talked about it on this show. If you go and you look up Stonewall and you read the history, it will tell you and show you that the gay movement would not be the gay movement that it is now if it had not been for trans people of color, trans 
women of color because they fought back. Because you got to remember, you know, you they would have these raids. The police would raid these places and and harass these women, right? And one day, the black and Puerto Rican trans women, they were like, hell to the gnaw. And they fought back. And they fought back hard. Only in turn to be, you know, factored out of this movement that that they started. And so it's just, it's really interesting because, you know, during the 80s and 70s, but primarily the 80s, when, you know, HIV and AIDS was starting to be recognized around the country, and the LGBTQ community was being stigmatized, right? Because you had a lot here, mainly white folks, saying that it was a gay disease. And so initially there was no money going in towards education, research, you know, developing, you know, um, a response to the communities and, you know, and educating and training people on what to do and how to protect themselves. And so then you got groups like ACT UP that popped up, you know, just, I wouldn't say out of the blue. And you know what, I'll give credit when it's due. They did some good work. Some of it was extreme. And for some people that turned them off, you know, back then, but now, in retrospect, some of the same people who were condemning them are congratulating them, and, and now they're stating that they understood why their tactics had to be extreme and, and you know, to get the attention of the press, as the politicians and the power that be in, in the communities as well. And so, you know, it's really interesting how all of that is happening. And, you know, we just went through the marriage equality, and Hillary was telling some of these, you know, gay white male activists that, you know, they really changed some hearts, and hers was one of them. And, you know, I'm sitting around and watching this, and, you know, there are a number of different groups, you know, on Facebook and other groups off of Facebook, and they discussed, you know, these issues on a daily basis. It's very consistent. And, think, you know, many of us were floored, you know, by what Hillary said. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting because right now, HIV and AIDS is a pandemic that's ravaging communities of color in the mainstream LGBTQ community, not talking about it. You know, they apply for these grants and these monies that are specifically designed for them to go into, you know, these communities 
and educate people. I've lived in black and Latino communities for the past, let me see here, 11 years. I mean, actually all my life. I've always lived in one of those communities. But for the past 11 years, I specifically stayed in certain places. And I didn't see anybody out there handing out any packets, any literature, nothing. But yet I would read these articles about this organization receiving $12 million for educating the black and Latino community. Where is the money going? And is anybody tracing it back? You know, because you have a number of organizations out here that beg for money all the damn time. And you see nothing. You don't even see a sticker, let alone a picture. And so, you know, it's interesting when they have these panels and, and they're like, well, you know, we don't understand why the black and Latino community isn't responsive to us. We've gone into their neighborhoods. No, you drove through our neighborhoods, and you locked the door when you saw me, you know, crossing the street. And it's just really interesting, and they'll have all of these panels and, you know, and all of this self-aggrandizement about how they care about and they love the blacks, the Latinos, the Muslims, you know, the indigenous people, the Asians. And in, in some cases, they'll say the Jews, although there is a whole different dynamic with that particular category. And so you'll see a lily white panel, you know, talking about black rage, talking about Latino barrios, right, that talk about Muslims. And they present the Muslim community some of the most problematic ways. You know, a lot of white people love saying radical Islam. And it's just so interesting because they want to say radical Islam whenever they perceive someone who may be Muslim as part of whatever type of uproar is happening. But yet... These are, and they and they condemn the whole community, you know, and that's across the board. When when a black person does something that white people do not approve of, you know, they they condemn the whole black community, and then demand that we apologize collectively, and 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 all of that bullshit right there. But when you start charging them with genocide and charging them with racism and sexism and a whole bunch of other isms and phobias, you know, they want to say, well, no, that's that individual. That wasn't us as a group. No, I think we should start charging them as a group until they get the fact that we are individuals as well. So anyway, getting back to these diversity panels, you'll have a bunch of, you know, cisgendered, heterosexual, wealthy educated white men discussing these communities as though, you know, they're they're experts, 
you know, you know, subject matter experts, SMEs, right? And, you know, some of us are at home watching it. You know, one minute we're laughing, the next minute we're pissed. And, you know, if any of us happen to be in the audience and ask questions or make a comment, it's just really interesting how that question and or comment is basically brushed off. And in some cases, these white men and sometimes white women act annoyed that we actually spoke out against their particular opinion. Like their opinion and in, in, in their knowing, you know, or expertise in such subject matters, you know, is, is more right than your lived experience. And so then, you know, kind of turns into a pissing contest, if you will, because then then we go into that area, whereas whiteness is centered again. And it's so interesting because when we rail against this and we try to explain why that is problematic, these are the same people who get angry, and it's just a number of different emotions that are displayed. And, and and it's some of the most perplexing shit because when you start explaining them, explaining it to them, and and explaining how, yet again, they're allowing their white privilege to lead them, and they're not listening or paying attention to why that particular statement or view or perception is problematic. But they sit on these panels and they think they have arrived, you know, and especially if they find a black or brown person that's willing to be on said diversity panel. But that's (laughs) that black or brown yellow or red person, in many cases, are safe. And what I mean by safe is they know that this person is going to agree with them or say say different uh, or, or project narratives that are comfortable for, you know, this, this, this white movement or organizations, and we see it all the time. And so, you know, one of the things that, you know, I want to caution people to, and I want you to pay attention, is you have some of these people that sit on these panels and, you know, throw their own unaffordable conferences. And, again, it's unaffordable because they really don't want the rest of us there, as quiet as is kept. You know, and you know, and, and lately, you know, they've been putting together these Black Lives Matter, you know, panels, right? And so again, they put somebody up there that's safe, that's not going to go against the status quo, and even if it does, you know, it's, it's minimal at best, right? And. <laughs> It's just I'm sitting here 
Because what I've noticed, and this isn't anything new. This has happened on multiple occasions throughout history. You'll have these white people co-opting our movement and appropriating our cultures and and sitting there and acting as though they do not understand why we find it problematic and why we won't celebrate them celebrating our culture because we should be happy because they're paying attention to us. We should be happy because in their minds, you know, they're, they're, they're celebrating us. They're showing us how much they admire us. You know, you know when they dress in blackface and put on, you know, a headdress, you know, and many, many more examples how we should be grateful and honored that they, you know, are paying homage to us. You know, and I remember all the way back in my freshman year of college how we would have these meetings and we would go in and explain why having, an, you know, an Indian or Native American mascot, how and why it was problematic. And the white people would just sit there, and they would be absolutely stunned. They could not fathom or understand why we had a problem with this, and especially when the majority of us were not Native Americans. So they really didn't get it. You're not a Native American, so what do you care? And as I've been explaining to people, especially in the political and cultural climate that we happen to be living in. If Donald Trump didn't do anything, Donald Trump has shown us that we have to come together and we have to resist from the very onset. So no, you know, if you're trying to throw the Muslims under the bus by putting together this registry, we're not going to allow that to happen. And I would encourage everyone, if they do get this registry, everybody sign it. And so while they're running around chasing every damn body on a wild goose chase, you know, we can we can resist. We can fight back. You know, same thing with this damn wall. You know, they're not going to build that wall. It's not going to happen. But, you know, Donald Trump and his minions – are going to keep that conversation going because, you know, it stimulates, it turns on, you know, a great deal of his base constituents. And it's just interesting. And so as I was explaining to someone um, the other day, the talk about the wall, that's problematic. But what's even more problematic are these, you know, white people that have this mob mentality and that feel that, you know, they were already feeling, many of them were already feeling that they could do whatever they want to people of color with pretty much impunity. You know, the going line now is saying, I was afraid for my life. 
And the people that follow Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions and Steve Bannon and and a number of other of these problematic people, those are the main ones we have to focus on and keep an eye out for. Because I, you know, we since Trump was elected, the number of hate crimes and incidents that have been reported skyrocketed. And once he's inaugurated, you know, I, all I have to say is to you all, be ready. I've been telling you all for the past several years, you better learn how to shoot. You better learn how to clean your gun. You better learn how to do a lot of things. And I really do believe that you're going to have, you know, gangs of white people out here calling themselves doing citizens' arrests, you know, possibly, you know, killing people, maiming, hurting them. And and they feel as though they have been anointed or appointed, you know, or that it's their civic duty to go out and to help state-sanctioned thugs put an end to all of these problems they perceive as problems. And so this is going to be an issue. But in the meantime, you have, you know, these people that are putting together these panels to discuss these issues. But again, it's white-centered, and it's coming from a white mind, you know, white thought, white perception, and, you know, that's problematic for a number of reasons. And so, you know, basically, you know, we need to take time out. We need to take time out to, you know, talk about these issues, but we also need to take time out to confront these issues and confront, you know, this behavior because there are too many of us out here that are playing ostrich, you know, burying our head in the sand and acting as though we didn't see it and we didn't hear it. We don't have time to play. We don't have time to play ostrich. You know, real lives are at stake. You know, real lives have always been at stake, but right now it's a very, very crucial time in, you know, in America. You know, and they're having the same issues, you know, all over the world. And, you know, next year I'm definitely going to talk about what's transpiring now globally. And, you know, again, how immigrants are being scapegoated People of color are being scapegoated and it's hurting a lot of people. So we need to talk about that. And so, you know, I'm trying to broaden what, you know, today's topic is because, you know, I had a specific person and a specific issue about that person, you know, but the problem is, you know, is, is, more than just that person, that individual. You know, we're seeing this in different communities all throughout this country. 
And what's really interesting is some of these panels, some of these people that participate on these diversity and Black Lives Matter panels and, you know, other panels that are basically in the same, you know, in the same milieu, if you will. So um, some of the white people that sit on these panels and are very self-righteous because they consider themselves as civil rights activists and social justice warriors. You know, what I want to tell, you know, communities of color is some of the most vocal ones out here are also some of the most problematic ones, especially when some of these same people defend the racist words and actions of people in their said community and movement and organization. You know, they will cover and protect each other or they'll say, well, wait a minute, you misunderstood. Or he or she misspoke. This is what they really meant. And then in turn, they'll say something that's even more problematic than the person that they're defending. And for quite a few of these people, you know, the Black Lives Matter mantra, the we are all African mantra, you know, we promote diversity mantra, we're inclusive mantra, and we can go on and on and on. Some of the words that have come out of the mouths of those people, you know, is absolutely amazing. But you're starting to see them more and more, you know, tagging, you know, the social justice movements, you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, and in all of these different movements that are taking place in this country. And they're only doing it because they want to be elevated as civil rights activists, as as Black Lives Matter activists, when they really don't give a damn. But this is how they are able to come up, and they want to use these particular platforms to come up while in the background calling you every name in the book and refusing to do the work to deprogram themselves of the bias and racist and homophobic and a sexist thinking and actions. But at the same time, you know, attempting to embrace these groups and to a certain degree, you know, they send a shout out to these organizations or movements and when they are called out, these white folks are called out on their bullshit, they expect these black, brown, red, yellow, so on and so forth people to protect them and to speak up for them while you've never invited a black person to dinner they sure as hell don't live in your neighborhood you know you always want to talk about that you know black bff 
hmm, you know, Raven, Simone, and Pharrell, right? And many, 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 many more. And we're going to talk about that on a new Negro review or the Magical Negro review. I pushed that back to February. We're going to talk about those things in Black History Month. And so it's just, it's dangerous. And so basically, you know, I want to tell people of color, specifically black people, you need to pay attention to what some of these white people are saying, but pay the most attention to what they're not saying and learn how to read in between the lines. And don't be scared to challenge it. Because, again, you know, when I put this together or started, you know, when I put this show together, like I said, I had something totally different in mind because it was one particular individual. And I was sitting there absolutely floored, you know, watching some of the shit that was going on. And for the most part, you know, I talk about a lot of these things, but there's a whole bunch of shit that I ignore. Now, I talk about it with certain people in my life, and, you know, I'm done. You all better brace yourselves for 2017 because I'm taking no fucking prisoners. I mean, we already know I don't give a fuck. Right, and so 2017 is going to be a totally different ball game. So if you ain't ready to put your big girl panties on or your white, you know, your tidy whiteies, you're going to be in for a bumpy ride because I'm going for it, and I'm straight going for the jugular. We know I call names out on this show. And next year, I'm just going to do just that. Fuck it. You know, and it's just, it's amazing. But, you know, I want the black, brown, red, yellow people, you need to pay attention. And there are some white people out here who are, you know, allies, and they're truly down. They understand what's happening. They understand why the behavior of some of these so-called progressive liberal whites, why their behavior and thought process is problematic. They get it. All right. So, like I said, you know, some of them get it. And they confront it. And they put it in check. So they have no problems checking another white person whether it's somebody in their family, one of their friends, or a stranger on the street, and, and, and checking these people and telling them why said behavior and, and, and the words and why the words. And, you know, you have a lot of people saying, oh, they're just words. It doesn't matter. It's not hurting anything. Yes, they do matter. And, yes, it does hurt. And, and you know, it's so interesting because, you know, I'll be the first one to say that I've made some, you know, very inflammatory, controversial, problematic, 
you know, comments and statements. Yeah, I have. And I'm not promising you that it ain't going to happen again. You know, why lie to you? You know, but when I do it and I say it, I own it. Because when I said it, I meant it. And I still mean it today. Ain't shit changed. And so it's just really interesting about how you have people out here, again, co-opting social justice movements, you know, co-opting, you know, or attempting to co-opt the Black Lives Matter movement and co-opting just a number of different movements out here that are here to bring attention to issues and problems happening in in these particular communities. While at the same time, while they're trying to co-opt these particular movements, they're not putting in the work or the labor to deprogram themselves, to unlearn certain behaviors. And you all you already know my default is all white people are racist. And the reason for that is, you know, the things that, you know, and you know what, it's quite a few blacks and Latinos and indigenous and Asians and all of these different groups. The same thing, white supremacy has been embedded in all of us. But many of us do the work. And and some of us can look and learn from other people's experiences. Some of us have to experience it ourselves in order to go, oh, now I know why that was such a problem, right? But, you know, again, for, you know, many of these progressive liberal whites, many of them don't want to do, do the work or the labor, you know, or the intelligence to unlearn some of these biases, to unlearn some of the bad behavior, to unlearn centering themselves into what may happen to be the current movement or fad you know that 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 progressive white liberals are embracing at the time, and so you know I've seen different conversations. I've been involved in different conversations in which the white people will tell me, "Well, it's your job to educate us. If we're wrong and we're misunderstanding, then then you need to sit back." and give us these links and educate us and all of these things. And it's just the most amazing shit ever because they mean that. And it's like you go and you look up and you research every goddamn thing else, but you don't want to look that up. Why? Because it's not important to you. It's not a priority. And unfortunately, you have a lot of bobbleheads out here that will just, you know, turn around and recapitulate what we said. 
And that's one of the reasons why I tell people, no, don't repeat what I said. I want you to think about it, research it, understand it, and come up with your own analysis. I don't want many Kims running around here. That's not a compliment to me. I want you to know and understand what you're saying and what you're talking about and your actions, said actions, right? And, you know, there are many people, because it's not just white people. You have, you know, black people, Latinos, Natives, you know, Asians, so on and so forth, that also don't want to do the work. And sitting on a diversity panel or a Black Lives Matter panel, some of them feel as though they have arrived or that they know it all or that now they're subject matter experts. And even if you have your degree in, you know, African-American studies, that doesn't necessarily make you an, an expert. It just means you learn how to memorize shit and put it down on a piece of paper and the professor passed you. That is what that means. Because if you're not changing your life, changing your stance, and those around you and challenging them to do the emotional labor, to, you know, to to evaluate their emotional intelligence, and to do the work that it takes to really and fully be an ally or an advocate, if you're not challenging them to do that, if you're not challenging them to think critically or to critique themselves and to to be able to say, I don't know, because you can say, I don't know. It's nothing shameful about not knowing. So it's a whole bunch of shit that I don't know. And it's a whole bunch of shit that I've learned over the years. And, and you know, when you educate yourself and you do the research, you know, a lot of your viewpoints change. Because a lot of the things that I believed 10, 15 years ago, five years ago, hell, last week, you know, it's changed. And 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 I'm okay with that because I'm not afraid of change. Change is a good thing. It can be scary sometimes, but, you know, it's a good thing. And so, yeah, yeah, you know, it's problematic for a number of reasons. And when I see certain black people and Latino people that are out here and genuflecting, Shucking and jiving and kissing the asses of some of these pious, self-righteous assholes. I'm just like, really? And the thing is, is that many of the ones doing that, they fucking know better. But they have their own agenda. And they're trying to you know, push that agenda. And so, you know, we need to start again, like I said, you know, listening to what people say, people across the board, listen to what they're not saying and reading in between the lines. Because there are some people that will sell you out for a penny. 
They never had your best interest in mind, and they never will. The only person that matters is themselves. And if they're not going to get anything out of said conversation or said action or so on and so forth, they're not going to participate. And they don't want to talk about it and will tell you that they don't want to talk about it until they think that there is money to be made or stature to be held or celebrity to be had. That is when it becomes somewhat of a priority, but only with their twisted version of it. Because these are some of the same people who are talking loud but saying nothing. And it's so funny because, you know, Raina and I have these conversations, and we'll read something somebody wrote, you know, two, three, four, five paragraphs, and they said nothing. And we're like, this is the longest non-answer I've ever read. You know, we call it word salad, right? And there are some people that are really good at that. (laughs) And, uh, you know, pay attention, people. Pay attention. You know, so, yeah, you know, this is the end of the year. You know, we're going into a new year a new presidency and, you know, things are changing. And like I said, you know, I'm not afraid of change because, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're afraid of it, it's going to happen. So, you know, I would advise that you learn how to navigate said changes Because you're not going to be able to stop it. You're not going to be able to slow it down. But you sure as hell better figure out how you're going to respond to it. How much of said changes are you going to allow to impact your world, change your life? That's important. That's the headline right there. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I didn't mean to go off into this rant, but, yeah, we don't have time to play. We never had time to play. But right now, you know, what we're, we're going into the damn battlefield. And I hate using the type of terminology you know, about going into battle, you know, being in the trenches. I hate that shit. I hate that particular language. But for the sake of expediency, I guess that's the type of language that I'm going to have to use until I learn how to incorporate another type of language that people will understand, that people can relate to, right? And I just want people to understand that sometimes the battle is in your own 
front yard or backyard or in your own house and for some people in your own mind. And just because you sat on a diversity panel, you call yourself a social justice warrior or you call yourself a civil rights activist, you can call yourself any damn thing you want to call yourself. But what are your actions? Do your actions show that? Or are you still out here covering and protecting people whose ideology and principles are the total antithesis or antipathy to what you're out here claiming to advocate? Because this is a totally different type of cognitive bias. And going into this new year with this new presidency, you know, and their administration, you all better pay attention. Not everybody who says they're an ally is an ally. Not every person who says that they're down with the cause. No, that's not true. And what's so interesting is, you know, I've had an experience most recently. And, you know, this has been going on for about a month. So, you know, I kind of want to get into it, but I kind of don't. But what I will say is the latest, incident is basically having said person come at me sideways, you know, on the day the Electoral College, you know, cast their votes for Donald Trump. And there were incidents before then. And I haven't really shared this with a lot of people. So, you know, there's a reason why I'm being somewhat vague in this. And all I have to say, specifically to people of color and real allies, there will be people who attempt to come into your world and attempt to infiltrate your movement or your organization. And, you know, they they state that their intent is that they're coming in as an ally and they're coming in, you know, to be of service, right, when that's not necessarily true. They're coming in to keep an eye on you. And with this said experience that I'm referring to, they pretty much outright said it. And, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, when someone shows you who they are, when they tell you who they are, you better fucking believe them. You know, don't sit there, oh, that's not what he meant. Oh, no, she meant this, you know, and, and, and child, no, 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 no. 
And, you know, a lot of this is happening because it's, it's real. A lot of this is happening, and it's been happening. You know, you'll have people talking about COINTELPRO. And and many of them refer to it, at, you know, in a past tense. No, it's not past tense. Pay attention. Ask questions. Do not allow anyone to intimidate you to the point that you are too afraid to ask questions or you are too afraid to state your viewpoint. You know, your opinion, your view is yours. It matters to you. And if everyone else is giving their viewpoint, and if they tell you that yours doesn't matter or they blow you off, like I said, those people, they're not for you. And so keep your eyes and your ears open. Pay attention. Utilize critical thinking space, you know, critical thinking You know, on the show, when I was talking about white Americans and, you know, Europeans, white Europeans, basically telling people of color, fuck your safe spaces, that's true. You know, they're coming in in their attempt to take over in their attempt to, again, deny, derail, and deflect. And you better shut that shit down because it's not going to get better over time or with time. And these are the things that I'm trying to explain to people, especially with the election of Donald Trump. You have people out here who are now feeling even more empowered and emboldened with his election, they will tell you that America is for white men. America is for white people. And trust me, they are out here celebrating that, right? And I need for you all to understand it and understand what's happening and understanding this change, you know, that's taking place in this country and, you know, in your neighborhood, in people that you love, in people that you support. And some of the people you support, they don't deserve that support, but you got to find that out the hard way for some of you. And so anyway, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, some of these particular white people who are saying that they're social justice warriors and civil rights activists, you know, while invoking the name of Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King and, you know, just a number of other people. While they've done no work to unburden themselves of said white supremacy and 
white privilege and white entitlement. You know, what I want you guys to pay attention to is you can see Donald Trump putting different people up for different positions. And right now I'm thinking about Jeff Sessions because, yeah, this man has fought against civil rights. And when I say civil rights, I'm talking about black ones, you know. It's going to be interesting. So for some of these white people that are out here in your little circle of folks that are saying that, you know, they're civil rights activists and social justice warriors, sit back and watch how they treat and and how they how they speak about the Trump administration and Donald Trump. Because are these these same so-called civil rights activists and social justice warriors, are they going to resist from day one? You know, ask them their opinion about Jeff Sessions. And the reason why I'm saying ask them is so that you will have a place marker because they're going to say, oh, he's horrible, blah, blah, blah. And then I want you to sit back and watch their actions and watch if they try to cover things up or they try to double speak. You know, there is this thing called double talk, just like there's a whole bunch of talking that a lot of folks do and say absolutely nothing. So, you know, you know, listen. That's your assignment for 2017. Listen, pay attention, not only to what's being said, but especially to what's not being said. Pay attention. You know, and so, huh, you know, it's, it's just really interesting. And for those who aren't aware, the United States abstained from a vote in the UN regarding Israel and the Palestinians. And it was historic. That was silence that was heard around the world, right? And so, you know, the prime minister, the Israel, you know, Israeli prime minister Netanyahu, of course, condemned President Obama and his administration. Donald Trump, you know, was acting as though he was up in arms. And for the Jewish people out there, the Israelis, Donald Trump is not your friend. Look at who he's surrounding himself with. But anyway, you know, it's it's really interesting And so, you know, again, we're seeing a lot of this hard-right conservatism taking place around the world. And, you know, I point this shit out. And like I said, for the past several years, when I post the information about what's happening in Europe, you know, France and Italy and Germany and so on, I was doing that for a reason because I knew today would happen in the environment that we're living in today. 
and how some people couldn't see it. For the life of me, I'll never understand it. But there is this hard right supremacy, you know, that is taking place around the world. And so when the United States abstained from the vote and the U.N. condemned Israel in regards to their, you know, (laughs) stealing land and stealing territory from the Palestinians, just just look at the, the response. Look at their entitlement. Listen to their, you know, their their white privilege that they're speaking. And, you know, basically they said that they're not going to abide by the UN's ruling, you know, or the vote there, and that they're going to do whatever the hell they want to do, which is what they've been doing all along anyway. You know, that's that's not just happening over there in Israel with the Palestinians. It's happening in America, happening in Europe, happening in, well, in France and Italy and Austria, Australia, Germany. You know, I can name so many places. You know, hell, truth of the matter, it's happening in Africa too. Don't forget about King Leopold. And what he did to the Africans, one part of history that's not discussed enough. But anyway, you know, what's happening over there in Israel, the way that they're treating the Palestinians, is apartheid. Just like the shit that's happening in America is apartheid. And so, you know, I can give you a number of different examples but I've talked about a lot of this shit until I was blue in the face. And I'm kind of dark. So me turning blue is, is, you know, that's a hard feat. Yeah, feats of strength. Yay, another Festivus miracle, right? And so pay attention because it's going to be some interesting shit happening in the United States in the next several years. And I don't want you all to be caught off guard. And in all the time that I've been doing this show, I've been telling you to get ready. Brace yourself. Put some shit to the side. Put some shit away. And there's going to be people that are going to come at you sideways, front ways, from the top, from the bottom, all the way around is going to happen. And that's why I tell you that this history, this knowledge is power. Sometimes beating people with knowledge, information, that has a bigger impact on them than someone beating them physically. And I don't advocate violence. But You know, I'm just trying to illustrate what I'm saying because, see, when when you bombard people with information and knowledge and facts, it forces them to think. And unfortunately, there are many people, especially Americans, who basically, you know, they think they know it all. Or, or that the things that they have been taught all of their lives is right, 
And when you have people out here who are teaching and passing along information and facts, you know, the first response from a lot of white people is, that's not true, la, 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 la. This is what I learned in school, or this is a lot of, you know, and I'm like, really? So I challenged them to go and research it. And they do that. And they come back, and they're like, well, I didn't know that that happened, or I didn't know that that didn't happen. And I didn't know anything about this. Yeah. And there's a lot of black people that are in the same position. They don't know. But unfortunately, with a lot of people, especially, you know, a lot of white Christian Americans and, you know, a lot of white atheist Americans too, because I'm seeing the same behavior in both communities. You know, you know, these new atheists have somehow managed to turn atheism into a fucking religion, and they're emulating what they claim that they hate. However, I digress. Let me get back to the subject. And, you know, you got a lot of people out here who are closed-minded because they feel as though they don't have to learn anything else, that they already know it all. And, and you know, anything that you say is bullshit. You know, there are a lot of white people who do not believe a word that comes out of the mouth of people of color, especially black people. And they've been taught and they've been trained that way, right? And so that's why sometimes when I start talking about the myth of black inferiority, the myth of black criminality, you know, and and it's not just white people, black people too, and being bombarded with this bullshit. And for a lot of the blacks, They have trained you so well that the white people can sit there and not say a fucking word and have you argue their point. That's why they consider you safe, and they put you on their diversity panel or their Black Lives Matter panel at their damn conference that is unaffordable to the people that they're talking about, about the movement, you know, the the, the communities that, that galvanize and fuel and sustain these movements. The average person can't afford to come to the conference to hear the goddamn panel and what they're talking about. And what's so interesting about, you know, a lot of these organizations, these white organizations and movements, I have yet to see them actually donate some money to said causes. So, you know, I'm sitting back, and so, you know, this next year, You know, I'm going to, you know, actually start donating more money, um, you know, locally. But for some of these organizations, I'm going to donate some money in your name to organizations, black, brown, red, and yellow, you know, organizations that I kind of know you hate. So you're welcome. You know, and so (laughs) it's going to be interesting. And like I said, it's about coming out of your comfort zone and change, like I said, is scary. And sometimes it's hard to adapt, but you got to figure out a way. And so, like I said, I'm going, to, I'm going to start invading white safe spaces. Why? Because I can. 
And so, yeah, once or twice a month, I'm going to go somewhere that I normally would be uncomfortable in. And, you know, let's say if it's a particular restaurant, I am going to go and sit down and enjoy a meal at said restaurant in one of my Harriet Tubman shirts or with a shirt that has big-ass red letters that say Black Lives Matter or big-ass red or white letters that say unapologetically black, you know, big-ass letters that has I-D-A-F, which stands for I don't give a fuck, right? I got all kind of shirts, you know, and so, and you know, I can even get some made. How about that? So, yeah, you know, I'm going to be made to be uncomfortable in this country. I'm going to make you uncomfortable in your spaces. So, you know, I would encourage everybody to go and occupy spaces that were traditionally not welcomed. And so, yeah, you know, this year has been a trip, you know, and so there was a conversation going on on Facebook and, you know, I'm following said conversation because it was, it's interesting, right? And so, you know, it was a gentleman he was talking about. He was sitting there and, you know, these thoughts were coming to him. You know, he was reading a book. So apparently, you know, the book that he was reading inspired, you know, some, you know, the thought process. And he was talking about forgiveness. And he was talking about how in America, when whites transgress against blacks, how we're supposed to immediately forgive and be trotted out in front of the camera by Al Sharpton or Jesse Jackson assuring the white people, you know, we forgive you and what you did, that's okay. No, the fuck it ain't. And I'm glad that the conversations are being had now in which people are expressing their anger, their distrust, and their rage against this bullshit that we deal with on a daily fucking basis. You do not garner instant forgiveness. No. And see, we've been trained and indoctrinated to do that. Stop it. That forgiveness has not been earned. Because, see, this is the thing. We keep forgiving and forgiving, and, you know, then they try to talk you into forgetting. So not only forgiving, but they want you to forget it. And, and, you know, and then they turn around and do the same shit. Didn't Einstein say insanity is doing the same shit over and over and expecting different results? Our communities are still oppressed. Again, our communities are still underdeveloped. You know, Donald Trump, now one thing I will say is I think he is going to implement his new deal for the blacks, but the thing is, is that, I, have you all read that shit? I keep 
advising you to go and read that shit. And now there are calls out, you know, for Donald Trump to militarize police departments even more. You know, and and basically, you know, he's being in part of his New Deal. Basically, if you read it, you know, it doesn't say this, but it does say this, that basically they're going to start occupying urban neighborhoods. That means martial law, people. It could possibly mean martial law, can possibly mean National Guard, could possibly mean that your militarized police will occupy your neighborhood. That's a problem. At least it is for some of us, right? So anyway, going back to that conversation, and, you know, and he said basically he was wondering, you know, if black people are going to be so forgiving of whites, you know, once they come to the understanding that not only there is no economic benefit to it, and that's true, forgiving these white people have not helped you. You know, I posted an article, and it was talking about how taking the high road, you know, and being the bigger person, that hasn't yielded us anything. So this all kind of falls into that, you know, that particular narrative, right? So, you know, we already know that there is no economic benefit. As a matter of fact, you know, it costs us a lot. It doesn't cost us not only the lives of people, you know, it costs us, you know, emotional discontent, emotional pain, psychological pain, physical pain. You know, and when I say physical pain, I'm not only talking about, you know, bodies that are policed and beaten by state-sanctioned violence, whether it's coming from a police officer or some jackass that decides to drive 20 miles into your neighborhood to teach the blacks a lesson, right? You know, physically, you know, dealing with all of this shit on a daily basis, this is where, you know, quite a bit of the dysfunction comes in. And, yes, it does beat on you physically. That's why we have some of the ailments that we deal with, you know, high blood pressure, Right, and a number of other things, you know, and it does beat on you physically. You know how some of these women are still able to get up and smile and put on a happy face when they've had to bury their children that were killed by state-sanctioned violence. For the life of me, I don't understand how they do it. But I celebrate the fact that they, they, in the myth, 
of these sorrows, in the midst of being mistreated, you know, in the midst of a lot of things, that they still try to find some joy and happiness in life. And it's not just, you know, these particular women of color. And some white women that deal with this, people of color, how we do this on a daily basis. You know, because I've had white people say, with everything that black people have endured and that we continue to live under, they don't understand how we haven't just gone bananas in this country, why we haven't burned it down. And that comes from conditioning and training and many, many more factors. You know, we've been trained to be our own worst enemy in some cases. And so this is where some of the work comes in. And unfortunately, you have a lot of people that are out here that want instant gratification. They want you to do the work for them so they can claim that they understand when they don't understand shit. What they understand is how to memorize shit other people say, how to steal other people's talking points and make it seem as though, you know, they understand it or that they're down for the cause. Look at their actions. So anyway, you know, that conversation, you know, as, you know, that was going on, and it was talking about how what's taking place in America and how this, you know, this renewal, for lack of better words, that's taking place or this transformation, again, for lack of better words, that's taking place in this country is not going to benefit people of color. It's not going to benefit black people. And so what's interesting is you've heard me talk on this show many times about how you have black nationalists who get along fabulously with white nationalists, right, because they speak the same language. The black nationalists want the same things that the white nationalists want, except they want it in blackface. And let me go ahead and pop your bubble right now. That's not going to happen. You're not going to be sitting on top of a pile of money in this capitalist system, you know, that, that we're trying to, you know, navigate and live under. In this particular capitalist system, oh, that shit's about to implode. So, yeah, pay attention, pay attention, especially to some of these people who yet again, you know, appropriate the language and attempt to co-opt these movements in an effort to elevate themselves. 
because they really don't give a shit about many of these issues. It just happens to be the current fad. And the only reason why they are now acknowledging said movement is because of the fact that some white, heterosexual, cisgendered, wealthy, educated man, white male, told them that it was okay to to basically appropriate said language, right? You know, once they nodded their head and told them it was okay to say Black Lives Matter, it was okay for them to claim to be social justice warriors, that it was okay for them to call themselves civil rights activists. But again, as I've stated before, and this is something that I want you all to think about, let's take, you know, let's, let's end the year on this. What is justice to you? What is justice to said so-called white of allies? What is justice? And is it limited? Because some of these people that are embracing, co-opting, our language, pay attention to their actions. Because many of them, when they say civil rights, they mean civil rights for them and the people who think and look like them. But they're using our language because it was successful or at least it gave, you know, off the semblance of being successful. You know, and I have a lot of thoughts on the civil rights movement and the civil rights bill, bills, because there was more than one. And I just want you all to pay attention, because with many of these people, they're just playing you. Bad, you know, once the heat is a little bit too hot, you know, and it becomes too dangerous for a white person to be associated with said movements and and them being persecuted for using said language, you're going to see a lot of them tuck tail and run or play ostrich or act as though they they didn't know you as they continue on in their lives exercising their white privilege and benefiting from white supremacy. See, that's the thing. You know, a lot of these people, they will tell you that they're down with you and you're the end-all, be-all, but they're not going to give up that white privilege. They're not going to give up that entitlement. So anyway, I think I've gone on about this for way too fucking long. But, um, yeah, you know, and, you know, with some of these people, some of these progressive white liberals, and, yeah, I beat up on them all the time. Why? Because many of them are full of shit. And they don't like the fact that I say that they're full of shit because I'm not supposed to be able to see through the smoke and mirrors, right? You know, playing into that myth of black inferiority, right? And so, um, 
Yeah. You'll have them out here saying that they understand and that they're down, but only when it's convenient for them. See, once it stops being convenient and it stops being, quote, unquote, fun, they get to walk away and go back to their lily-white neighborhoods and live their lily-white lives. But in the meantime, we have to rebuild fighting, and in some cases you have some of these progressive white liberals that come in and make an already messy situation worse. And once they see the shit storm that they've created, then they, you know, whistle while they walk away. And so if, man, anyway, there we go. I'm going to stop. Another Festivus miracle. So there's a few things that's been in the news. You know, it was an article that came out earlier this year, and I remember posting it in a number of places, but beyond posting it in a number of places, I've been talking about this for years. And, you know, like I said, I've been talking about white Christian Americans, and I'm going to be talking about black Christian Americans. I talk about, you know, white Americans that check off a number of boxes in different communities. I'm going to be talking about black people as well. So, you know, I'm coming down your aisles just a matter of time before I get to you, you know. And so the article, you know, and one of the things I've talked about was in particular that prosperity gospel, that word of faith gospel, how it's problematic and it's dangerous. And so if you all don't remember, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote an article talking about the prosperity gospel and how it's a war on poor people. And we've talked about this, you know, and I've kind of broken that down. But you know what? Where's my pen? Where's my piece of paper? Because, yes, I'm still writing shit down, you know, about topics that I want to tackle, you know, more in depth. And But I have talked about the prosperity gospel and how it has taught the people that follow it that being poor is their fault, right? And how, you know, all of this is, you know, their fault. And it uses the same logic as white supremacy, right? Because a lot of these racist white people Tell black folks and Latino folks and brown, yellow, red that the ills and the ailments of their communities is due to their own thinking, due to their own failures, so on and so forth. And the prosperity gospel reinforces that. You're not rich because you don't have enough faith. You're not rich because you didn't don't donate enough 
money or time and resources to the church. And God's not going to bless you until you give until it hurts or you give until there's nothing left. That's bullshit. And so, yeah, what I am going to do a show talking about the, you know, prosperity gospel and it being a war on poor people, but also how it's ravaged, you know, the communities, in particular the black community. You know, there are a lot of whites that, you know, definitely sit under, you know, pastors who preach that particular prosperity gospel. You know, and it's in every community. It's all over the world. Hell, you got prosperity churches, you know, all throughout Africa. And so, you know, I definitely want to talk about that. And, you know, you know, I think it was last week and I was talking about how we live in an Ayn Rand America now. And so, you know, I was teasing and talking about how the libertarian, the white libertarians, and some black ones, how they should be ecstatic, right? And the poor whites that have fallen victim to this because, yeah, you're, you're, you've been hoodwinked. You've been hoodwinked. We're going to do a show about that, too. You know, the very first show after the inauguration, I'm going to tell you how you get got, right? And so basically, you know, with the election of Donald Trump and the policies and laws that they're trying to put in place, the effect that it's going to have on a lot of people, but especially, you know, the white people. Yeah, you're going to be out there with your pitchforks and torches, but yet again, your anger will be misguided because you're not going to take it out on Trump and his administration You're going to take it out on vulnerable communities. History has shown us this. And this is why I'm telling people, you need to be prepared because we don't know what's happening and what's going to happen. But you're not going to have a lot of time to sit back and, and try to figure it out and fly by the seat of your pants. You know, you're not, it's, it's, I don't believe you're going to have a lot of time or room to do that. And so, yeah, you know, some of these working class and poor white communities, you are about to suffer in ways that you can't imagine. And especially if Newt Gingrich is telling the truth, in which I I. I believe he is. I know he is. You know, all of these programs that you all call entitlement programs for the blacks and the Latinos, I don't know why you all think the the entitlement programs that help you are different. The same program. And it's going to hurt more of you than us. Why? Because there are more of you than us. 
But that's also what makes it dangerous. Because I'm laughing when Donald Trump was on TV and, and someone was talking to him about the hate crimes and the incidents that have, you know, taken place since he was elected. And he looked at the camera and he, he said, stop it. Like he's talking to, you know, a, a rambunctious four-year-old, right? You know, and the four-year-old just goes on about their business and keep doing whatever the hell they wanted to do because it wasn't sincere, you know? And so you get, anyway, anyway, let me pull it together because it's going to be a mess. And last week, I know I talked about, you know, the political and cultural climate that gave us Donald Trump is the same one that gave us Dylan Roof. And I talked about an article from Slate. And um, let me go over here. Yeah, Jamel Bowie wrote this. And the title is Brothers in White Resentment. And the byline is what gave us Donald Trump is what gave us Dylan Roof. And so, you know, it, it talks about, you know, the political climate that's been building and building. And you have some people who may think that, you know, we're now at the crescendo. No, uh-uh. still a lot more to come. You know, that bubble is still being pumped, right? And all I got to say is when it does get to the crescendo, you better have somewhere where you can go run and hide, you know, because it's, it's you know, you're going to have those of us that are out here fighting. But we also know that that is, you know, very few of us. You know, you only have a few people out here that's out here protesting and fighting while the other ones run and hide or watch from the sidelines or watch from the comfort of their home. And like I said, not everybody is able to get out of here and protest, you know, and I definitely want to acknowledge that. And they're not able to do so for a number of reasons. So I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the ones that are talking the most shit on social media, the ones that's talking the most shit, you know, if they happen to, you know, pass by a news crew and somebody asked them for their shitty-ass opinion, right? And yet, I haven't even seen them, you know, I haven't seen a dollar come out of their pocket. I ain't seen them, like I said, not at one protest, not one rally, not one fucking march. You know, and so... And, I mean, I'm talking about everybody across the board, regardless of your race or ethnicity. And so, you know, you're going to continue having people talking shit and doing nothing. But yet they find a way to lay blame on everybody else, right? And so there was an article that I posted on my wall. It was written by Jasmine Banks on the blackyouthproject.org or .com. And the title of the article, Why Taking the High Road Won't Save Us and Maybe a Little Shade Will. 
And so, you know, we've talked about this high road thing, you know, over the years and how we're expected to be the bigger person. We're expecting to be, we're expected to be the most mature. And that yields and gives you not a goddamn thing. In most cases. So, you know, it's about changing that thinking. It's about changing some actions. It's about, you know, reprior, you know, your priorities. You know, kind of shifting some shit around. Changing some of them. And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So, yeah, you want to read something that's humorous. Michael Harriot um, wrote an article, and it's titled The 2016 Why People Awards, right? And why people is like a euphemism for white people. And so it's actually quite funny. You know, they had the White Tears Award, which was given to Abigail Fisher. And for those who aren't familiar with that particular story, that was the, you know, mediocre white chick that was mad because she couldn't get into the university of her choice and said that she was discriminated against because she was white, which is not true. You weren't admitted because you're mediocre at best. So now that we got that cleared up, um, you have the appropriator of the year. And so it was just really interesting because I, I know we've talked about how, you know, you had a lot of white people out here saying how much they admired Muhammad Ali, you know, even when he was alive, but more so after he died. And the ones that were saying that they admired Muhammad Ali, you know, they were trying to claim that he transcended race. No, he just couldn't talk anymore. See, you admired a silent Muhammad Ali. Just like you admire, you know, dead, you know, black leaders. And it's just so amazing. And so, yeah, the appropriator of the year were the ones, you know, who were mourning and said that, you know, Muhammad Ali trans, yep, 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 yep. And so the Becky of the year, Taylor Swift, thanks, Kanye, that's self-explanatory. And so, um, you know, Apparently, with the WikiLeaks, you know, during the election, you know, the end portion of it, you know, we found out that they had this secret white email trail. And, you know, that's the new, the best new white people. And, you know, while the article is funny, you know, and the awards, you know, are hilarious, these are real issues. And this is a think piece that, you know, for those that aren't aware, go and look this up. So right here it says secret white emailers for sending secret white emails after having secret white meetings. You know, makes you wonder if Rachel Dolezal was sent over here to go back over there to give them some information. And so, you know, but I also think that it should have been tied with the white people who can't stand that someone else's life matters besides theirs. 
and this is for the All Lives Matter people and for the Blue Lives Matter. And so, like I said, this is freaking hilarious. Another one, the Lying Ass Liar Award, and that went out to Ryan, the slimmer, Ryan Lotke, right? And, um, yeah, I know it's a T and not a K. Shut up. And, you know, him and his lying ass and his Christopher Columbus impression. And so that shit, you know, it's a number of folks. You know, maybe I should do my own awards. You know, I was talking to Raina about that not too long ago. And um, it would be fucking hilarious. And, again, white people or white people of the year, and the winner was Donald Trump, you know, for being troll of the year. So, yay. You know, Lifetime Achievement Award Police Brutality goes to that white woman in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Betty Shelby, who claimed that the black man that had his hands raised reached into the closed window of his car and 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 she shot him because she didn't know what he was reaching for. Look, white people, if you're too afraid to be a police officer, why the fuck did you take the job? But, you know, I mean... I have to look at that video again because, you know, I don't know how he was able to put his hand through the glass, but apparently he got some Harry Trotter, you know, tricks, Harry Potter tricks up his sleeve. So anyway, yay, I'm done talking. I'm tired of talking. Another Festivus miracle. So again, now I've got this damn diversity panel show off of my list. No show next Sunday. Happy New Year and all that other shit. And 2016 was an interesting year. That's the best way that I can put that. It was a good year for some people, you know, and I had some good times this year. You know, I was able to achieve quite a few things and do some things and you know, check some shit off of my bucket list, right? And I'm going to do the same thing next year. You know, live my life, not give a fuck about what some of these people think. But, um, yeah, shut up, kiss my ass, and all that good fun shit right there. So, next Sunday, no show. On January 8th, we're going to have a show I have a shitload of different topics that I want to do. I wrote them down. I just got to figure out what order, you know. But, yeah, more fun stuff, you know, white Christian America. I got more to talk to you guys about in black Christian America that follows the lead of some of these white evangelicals, you know, in not being aware, you know, and when I say not being aware, it's not so much about laying blame anywhere or on anyone, but, you know, white Christianity has always been draped in dripping racism and white supremacy. It always has. And unfortunately, you have 
different communities that don't see it or may not understand it and will argue you down. And so, you know, we're going to break that down next year. So I'm tired of talking, you know, stop taking the damn high road, fuck them motherfuckers over there, and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. See you next year, everybody. Take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.